Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am visiting with Mark Podwall. Mark achieved early recognitions for his drawings on the New York Times op-ed page. His art is represented in the collections of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Victoria and Albert Museum, the Bodleian Library, the Vatican, the Berlin Jewish Museum, and the Israel Museum, among others. In addition, he is the illustrator of numerous books in collaboration with such luminaries as Elie Wiesel and Howard Bloom. In 1995, the French government named Podwell an officer of the Order of Arts and Letters. In 2011, he received the Foundation for Jewish Culture Achievement Award. Welcome, Mark. Happy to be on the phone with you. Great to have you here, and I will tell you we are enjoying your just-installed exhibit at the center. It's just fabulous, um, and which Thank leads you. me to my first question for you. Um, I wonder if you could pronounce uh, the name of the exhibit for me. Kaddish for Dembrava Biawastoka. Thank you. Better you than me. Um, <laughs> and we'll get on to that in a little bit. Um, you are, I think it's safe to say, Mark, a very prolific artist, and your work is really widely represented. I wondered if you can tell me a little bit about how you got your start and how your career has evolved. Well, um, I never intended on being an artist, although I, I always had a talent for drawing. And my parents urged me to go to medical school because when I grew up in Queens in the 1950s and 1960s, if you did very well in school, you became a doctor or a lawyer. You didn't become an artist. And so when I was in medical school, I started to do political drawings against the war in Vietnam. Those drawings and other drawings I did were published as my first book called The Decline and Fall of the American Empire. Peter Fonda, who was very popular at the time because of his film Easy Rider, he wrote the introduction. And those that book of drawings was then seen by the art director of the New York Times op-ed page. And I started to draw for the New York Times for over 40 years. And so very often one project would lead to another when somebody would see the work from the first project. And I've been extraordinarily fortunate to, um, to have worked with Elie Wiesel, for also for 40 years, and um, and very fortunate with the museum collections that I'm in. The Metropolitan Museum reproduced my work on 13 objects that they sold in their gift shops, including SATA plates, note cards, jewelry, and prints. And, um, and I'm very fortunate to work with the Metropolitan Opera every season, creating their new poster each year. So much of your work finds, I think, its roots in Jewish tradition and history. How do you, how do you weave that into, and how do you think it informs your work? Well, even when I was drawing for the New York Times op-ed page, at one point, well, initially I was just happy to have any drawing that I would do on the op-ed page. The first drawing I did was actually on the Munich Massacre that was published in 1972. But then after, after years of drawing for the op-ed page, I said, I'd like to focus just on Jewish subjects, Middle East politics, and medicine, because those were the uh, subjects I had a passion for. So it's, um, it's, it's what interests me. And for, I, I've done caricatures for the Times. I did caricatures of Jimmy Carter and of Begin and of, um, of, of other, uh, other figures, of Kissinger. But there are so many people who really do great caricatures, much better than I do. And so um, I, I focus more on what 
subjects that I was interested in, and those are mainly Jewish subjects. And let me ask you a little bit about um, the exhibit that we have just installed, and it's now open at the Yiddish Book Center. It will be here through early spring 2018. And that is a series of 18 works, um, and it's a result of a visit to your mother's shtetl in Poland. How did that journey inspire all of this work? What had happened was um, a physician I know, uh, Michael Nevins, who I just met through uh, another physician, and the reason I was introduced to him was because he was uh, doing research on physicians' drawings uh, from Terezin. And so because I was involved with many projects in the Czech Republic, Dr. Bernie Ackerman suggested that I meet with Michael Nevins. And during our meeting, it turned out that I learned we both had our relatives born in Dombrava, and um, and he had been the historian writing uh, the Yiska book for the for the yeah. town. So he was then invited for in May 2016 for a day at the high school devoted to the history of the Jews of that town. In the turn of the century, at the end of the 19th century, Dombrava Bielostoka, um, actually it was then Dombrava Grudno, because there are many Dombravas throughout Poland, and to identify each, a second name would be added for a major large city nearby. And so it was originally Dombrava Grudno. When Grudno became part of Belarus, the name was changed to uh, Dombrava Bielostoka because it was 40 miles from Bielostok. And so one of the one of the teachers in the school in the uh, Dombrava, Dorota Buczynska, she she has a passion for teaching the uh, the students and the population about the history of the Jews of that town. And she goes to Yad Vashem for courses, and she arranged a day of learning about the Jews of Dombrava. And among the various events that day was a one-hour film, documentary film, by Thomas Wisniewski, who's done many works on uh, the Jews of the Bialystok region. And it was a very, very moving film. So Michael Nevins had the mayor invite me also to speak. So Michael Nevins spoke, I spoke, and I had prepared a slide presentation about my family, uh, photos of uh, my mother's uh, passport and um, and then various works that would relate to the Holocaust and to Polish Jewry. And um, by the time I got up to speak, there were there had been lots of delays because there were problems in showing the first film. And so by the time I got up for my 20-minute talk, half the auditorium was already having their coffee, and we were running late. So 10 minutes into my talk, the MC the Master of Ceremonies, told the translator, tell him to hurry up. And I really got pissed off, because here I had traveled 4,000 miles to be there. I was giving a 20-minute presentation that I looked forward to, and then I was supposed to abridge it based upon delays from previous speakers. So I just, I ended early. I was really pissed. And somehow I displaced that anger into doing works on Dombrava that I started about a week later, and I did the 18 works over three weeks, and I was set to have an exhibition at the Elder Street Synagogue and Museum beginning in September of 2016. And those works were going to be a series of prints from the Terezin portfolio that I had created for an exhibition in the Terezin Ghetto Museum, 
and these prints told the history of anti-Semitism. There were 42 prints. Those prints have been acquired everywhere from Harvard to the Vatican to the Bodleian Library at Oxford to the Holocaust museums in New York and Paris and so on. So I, I realized that it would be more appropriate to have an exhibition based on my mother's shtetl because the Elder Street Synagogue was the first synagogue in the United States built from the ground up by Eastern European Jews. And so this series, which I chose the number 18 because of Chai, and um, and I, it, it's among the best works that I've done. And so now this series, I made several series. One series of the prints was exhibited at um, Elder Street. You have the series that was at Elder Street. Another series I gave to Dombrova, which they then exhibited in Grudno, Belarus. So I went for the opening in Grudno, Belarus, which was quite an experience crossing the Polish-Belarus border. And then um, another series was just exhibited in Bialystok, and um, that series will be exhibited in uh, probably in uh, Breslau, Poland, and other Polish cities. So here I went to Dombrowa, which was a lifelong thought or dream to visit the shtetl where my family was from. And this forced me to go. And uh, I had no intention of creating artworks based on it. And one of my famous, one of my favorite Yiddish proverbs is, if you want to give God a good laugh, tell him your plans. I hadn't planned on this series, and it's one of the best things I've done. You had, um, I believe it's um, correct to say, a really interesting reaction um, to the place, which you could have, uh, I'm not sure how to express this, Mark, but um, your work is very positive. It's, um, and it deals with places um, and topics that are not always happy ones, but you put them in a different perspective, if that's, uh, if you understand where I'm going with this. Yeah, the, and I'd love to know more about how you reacted to this experience of being there and the resulting work. Well, it was very moving. And before, before I went, I read more and more about the history of the shtetl, which my family had never told me. For example, I learned uh, that in 1942, the entire village was burnt down because a uh, German officer was found killed nearby, and the town was blamed. And so with flamethrowers, they burnt down the town. Everything was burnt down except for stone buildings like part of the stone synagogue, the church, some stone windmills. And, um, and so I, and then I saw photos of the burnt town. I learned, I, I had watched the documentary film interviewing people in their 80s who knew Jews before the war. And so I saw that film uh, prior to when it was shown uh, in that May Day in, uh, in Dubrava. And then when I decided to do the series, it's very easy to focus on the Holocaust and for me. And I've done many works on the Holocaust, whether with, for books of Elie Wiesel or the series that I did that was exhibited in uh, the Ghetto Museum in Terezin. But I wanted to um, depict happier times in Dimbrova that no longer exist. And so the reference to the Holocaust were only in, um, in two of the images, where one of the images showed a broken menorah, and it was being covered partially by oak leaves, because Dimbrova means oak forest. And, and then there were, there were images 
based upon uh, Jewish iconography with a cut-off tree that I used with the um, and three images showing how the the coat of arms of Dembrova rep, rep, shows the, the oak tree, but initially I had a coat of arms that was a Torah that was then cut off and, and so on. So it's most of the images don't deal with death and the Holocaust. And, uh, and I, I was just really very happy with what I did. I couldn't have done that series just reading about them, brother. Because, for example, when I went there, I learned that it's near a, na- a national forest that has huge amounts of bisons. So, and there was a, uh, near, in a gas station, there was a huge sculpture of a bison. So I did drawings where bisons replaced lions on a uh, Hanukkiah. I did drawings where storks were pictured because uh, a majority of the white storks in Europe nest in Poland. It's felt good luck to have them nest on your property. And so um, it's the kind of thing. There have been books and projects I've done just from reading, but I couldn't have done this project without the visit, not only from the inspira- the being moved by the visit, but seeing things that I was able to incorporate into the art. Well, the way that you weave traditional Jewish objects into your works was is really compelling. I was, I have to tell you, I was very moved by the piece um, in which you have the leather strap of the tefillin um, encircling yeah. the town, yeah. um, as you say in the caption, it, the town as it appeared in 1938 in the yeah. photograph. How how do you weave all these ideas together? It's what I have a talent for. It, it's um, it's with, with what Cynthia Ozick uh, described in an essay about my work. Um, it, they're unexpected juxtapositions. And so it's free association. And that particular image, I would think, was called Dembrava on my mind. And so the literal interpretation is, here's the villain for the, for the head, and it surrounds the town as if the town is in the person's brain wearing the tefillin. Mm-hmm. And so it's... Um, it's I've been ve- I've been very blessed with a talent for art. I never took an art lesson, and that's always blessed with that talent. And I'm also blessed with the talent for um, coming up with these ideas. And because uh, a lot of a lot of what I, much of what I do is really um, uh, picturing ideas. Well, you do it brilliantly, and it's just it's a very on so many different levels. It's quite wonderful to have these works here that I can go and visit every day. Um, what are you working on currently, if I may ask? So, several things. Um, I just created another poster for the Metropolitan Opera, this one on the Magic Flute. And next week I go back to Prague, I just got back 10 days ago, for the 230th anniversary performance of Don Giovanni in the Estates Theater, where it premiered in 1787. <gasps> wow. There'll be a special performance conducted by Placido Domingo, and 15 of my prints on Mozart in Prague and my Met Opera posters will be on exhibit in the theater for the anniversary performance. So that's that's the show I have also right after an opening that I go to in Prague right after Amherst at the Yiddish Book Center. And right now my big project is illustrating three poems by Heinrich Heine, who did three poems called Hebrew Melodies. One poem is Princess Sabbath. Another one is Yehuda ben Halevi. And the third poem, which is my favorite, is Disputation. And so Stephen Mitchell, who's one of the great translators in America, particularly of Rilke, he, um, he translated two of the poems, and Jack Polutsky, 
who's perhaps the leading children's poet in America, I persuaded him to, to translate Disputation. So now the book is with several publishers, and hopefully they'll be published by uh, a prominent publisher. Among the problems is that one of the publishers that rejected the book, uh, Yale, who I did a book with with Harold Bloom, was concerned about the um, the cost of reproducing 35 to 40 full-color illustrations. So the book is with art publishers now, and hopefully uh, someone will take it up. That would be wonderful. So if our listeners want to learn more about you and your work, um, can you share a website? They should go to uh, Mark Pod, M-A-R-K-P-O-D-W-A-L.com. And so that's the website with lots of information and with links to documentary films. Czech TV did two documentary films on me. Boston University just posted a 30-minute um, slide presentation that I gave at Boston University for uh, a day of tribute to Ellie Wiesel. I was the keynote speaker. And um, so that that film, that video is now online. And also there's a link to a an article um, from a religious news service about how Mel Brooks responded to one of the works in the series. One of the works called Herring on a Bialy because Bialystok is, is uh, part of the name of uh, Dombrava, and that's where Bialys were invented. So when Mel Brooks saw that paint, the, uh, the print, he said, this should be my family crest because my ancestors sold herrings in Danzig. So I said to Mel, um, well, I can now add to my CV, Design Mel Brooks Family Crest, and I sent him a print which he has hanging in his office. It was a great article. We shared it on our Facebook page as well. It was fabulous. And Mel Brooks is really, uh, he's really terrific. He, he uh, is extremely generous, and um, he doesn't forget things when somebody does something for him. Well, for our listeners, they can come to the Yiddish Book Center now and see that um, that work in addition to the other 17 pieces in the exhibit. And we're excited to have you here, Mark, for our community open house on October 22nd for a talk. Um, and again, thank you so much. Um, not only are you a prolific artist, but you're a, a very busy person. So I appreciate you taking time to join me today. No, but it's, a, it's a great honor to be interviewed, and it's a great honor to have the works at the Yiddish Book Center, because that's one of the few places in America that they really, the works really belong. Well, um, it, it, it is a treat, and we are thrilled. And I look so forward to welcoming you to the center. And again, thank you so much. And keep producing work. We love it. Thank you very, very much. All right. Be well. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. My name is Miranda Cooper, a fellow at the Yiddish Book Center. For more information about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. While you're there, I recommend listening to episode 144, Lisa Newman's April 2017 conversation with Kurt Leviant, a fiction writer and Yiddish translator. Until next time, be well, be healthy, Zeigesund. <laughs>